1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, sadly, another Nets loss today to the Nuggets 108-102. How are you feeling?
2: Struggling at home, Nick. The Nets are struggling at home.
1: Yeah, this is three straight losses. Um, Obviously, we talked about it on the previous recaps. They needed to get one of those games against OKC or Sacramento. Did not do that, and it feels like it's going to come back to bite them, obviously. We'll see what happens moving forward. We're going to jump to that end. plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Also, give us a follow on Instagram, at Brooklyn Pod. But, Jack, where do you want to start?
2: Nick, I don't know where we should start because it seems to me this was just a, a repetition of a lot of the the issues that the Nets have had. The Nuggets bounce back after losing to the Knicks. They're one of the top teams in the NBA. But the Nets go on a little mini run, get it down to you know a, a six-digit game. But I think that the margin... Bro, maybe flatters the Nets a little bit. How did you feel about the game overall?
1: Yeah, I think the garbage time kind of helped to get a little bit closer, and then when the Nets really made that push, the Nuggets pulled away. But uh, I think overall, you know, the first quarter was a big reason they lost this game. Jamal Murray went off, dropped 20 points in the first, and Nets lost a quarter 33 to 21. But I think it's more so the lack of energy and engagement the Nets came out with in that first half and you and I have talked about this in a lot of podcasts, this has been a common theme of a lot of losses, is the Nets aren't talented enough where they can be lackadaisical or not play with full energy and engagement for four quarters. They really need to take care of business. You know, The, the margin for error is not very high with this team, so they have to always be locked in, and that just wasn't the case. And that's a big reason they lost this game, because they were able to play pretty good basketball in the second half, but the first half really
2: held them back. Yeah, Jacques Vaughan, fellow Jacques, reflected a lot of the things that you just said there, Nick, and this is by Eric Slater. I think he said on where the Nets came up short sure, today, I think overall you see the start of the game. I thought in our road trip we had great energy, great juice and somehow come home and lacked a little bit that a little bit of that to start the game. It happened versus Sac, and it happened again tonight. I think the stars of the game are important for us for confidence and setting the tone. I think early on, they were the aggressors and they set the tone of the game. So look, i uh, Jacques Vaughn echoing your sentiments, get Nick Faye on the assistant coaching staff, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Denver, obviously the Nets beat them a week ago in Denver. They were going to come out aggressive. And as you mentioned, they l- lost the Knicks last night. So, they had a lot of motivation to win this game. Everyone's talking about them falling in the standings. And the Nets' best players just didn't come out. You know, Mikel Bridges probably had one of his worst first quarters as a net, other than that Milwaukee Bucks game. And obviously they looked to him to score a lot. And I think overall looking at the roster in this game, not many guys played well. You know, you look at Nick Claxton who had a really good game. And other than that, I wouldn't say anyone else played really well. A lot of guys played average or below average in this one, and some just weren't great.
2: It reflects the sentiments that we said the other day of like, well, if the Nets had have had their good players playing at their potential up to their, you know, what we normally expect from them, then they get the Sacramento win. And look, you can't do that against a team that's second in the West and first in the West. You, you can't expect to play lesser unless you are lights out or getting second chance points or all these little things. And the Nets didn't do that either. Or you have no, a
1: superstar they can- that can drop 50
2: exactly none of the key indicators none of the talent were able to exceed all of the little things that the nets need to do to get wins on the board. they didn't shoot the ball that well they certainly didn't rebound it well all of the things that the nets can do to, to impact the game positively and as you alluded to you know nick claxon was sensational tonight but you know outside of that you know it left a lot to be desired
1: yeah i mean clax that you know four or five-minute stretch to start the third quarter, Clax was amazing. He was juiced up, playing with great energy on both ends of the floor, disrupting things for Jokic, catching oops, getting active in transition. That was probably like one of my favorite stretches of Clax this month. He was just really awesome. I think it, you look at Nick Klaxon, and obviously he's taken a giant jump for where he was you know, last two seasons in terms of his conditioning, but I think there's another jump he can make this off season, so that play can become more consistent through four quarters. Obviously, he played with such high energy, it's going to be impossible to play your entire you know game that way. But for larger chunks, I think he can take that next step in his offseason program.
2: Yeah, and he's doing this where the Nets have a, a key hole in their roster at the backup five. You know, yep. However you feel about Moses Brown, Dorian Finney-Smith at the five, you know, Ben Simmons in, in seasons past. He's been doing this on an increased burden that we've sort of said similarly when it comes to Spencer Dinwiddie, I think Spencer Dinwiddie's burdens are much greater, but Nick Claxton's getting you know the the mid-30s now, the, the low 30s now, rather than those mid to high 30s we sort of saw when he was playing alongside KD and Kyrie. But yeah, 19 points for him tonight, eight rebounds, three of them offensive, an assist, a steal, a block, 9-12 from the field, one or two from the free-throw line. You know, that it was nice to actually see Spencer Dimwini and Nick Claxton connect on an alley-oop sort of play for once. You know, he's, he's connected with every single other player on the roster, but is just showing how much talent he does have, and there is plenty of untapped potential with him, you know, Mikael Bridges, and maybe to a lesser extent Cam Johnson, and that's what you want to see out of a team that's going to be around the sort of middle of the range is what can you get more out of the guys that have this... Maybe not superstar potential, but certainly foundational championship pieces potential.
1: Yeah, definitely with Clax. And I think there is still a, a glimpse of all-star potential there. If he can just take strides forward in other areas of his game. I think also you mentioned, you know, the lack of backup five, also the lack of playmakers on the roster. You know, you look at Spencer, whose skill set should match up really well with Clax, but he just isn't a great lob thrower. And that's just a deficiency in his game because Spencer gets downhill really well, and you would think that's set up a lot of oops, but he is, I guess, a little bit You know, I don't want to say out of control, but the way he attacks the rim is with such speed. It's a little harder to throw this oops. If he had a better partner, you know, Claxton might be putting up bigger numbers. But I think you just love the fact he's able to find ways to impact the game and impact winning. Obviously, the Nets lost this game, but that stretch I mentioned, you know, the Nets kicked off the third quarter with a 7-0 run, and that was a big thanks to him.
2: Yeah, it was something like a fifth. there was like a fifteen to five run, or, or something around those sort of you know lines as well, where the nets were able to get back into it. And, and Klax's impact, you know, he was certainly felt. Yes, you know, Seth Curry, Darren Sharp, Cam Thomas, these guys were all insane in the plus minus. I think it was that's a little bit noisy, but Nick Klaxon was clearly the net's best player tonight. And I think, in, well, you alluded with the sort of Spencer and Nick Clarkson sort of connection. I think Spencer DiMunni gets tunnel vision, not in the way that Cam Thomas does, but I think he's deceleration isn't really there. And that's a skill that superstars have. You know, Luka Doncic, Ja Morant, these sort of guys that can go really fast and then just slow it down a little bit. You know, Chris Paul can sort of do that. Kyrie Irving can sort of do that. And it's not a superstar trade that Spencer he does have. But in saying that, I still think that he was okay. tonight. He only really took the six shots. But you know, in, in talking about Nick Claxton again, I'm just loving what I'm seeing from him. His aggression, his ability to finish through contact, all these things that we would have never seen from him in 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 seasons past and it's good to see him we always knew that he had this in him but the fact that he's healthy and playing consistent basketball and he's missing a game here and there for load management but his availability is just so important to what the nets are doing and uh, i can't wait to see how he continues to flourish as a brooklyn nets player
1: yeah, I think this was the jump we expected to see last season. Obviously, some health issues and some injuries kind of prevented that, and even just finding his role in the team, and maybe some of that was coaching with Steve Nash, and now Clax has really found his own, and I'm excited to see what he can grow into over this offseason because I think there's plenty of more talent there, and there's plenty of areas to improve his game, even if it's just a little bit.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery+.
2: Nick, you put out on your timeline about Cam Johnson and some of his playmaking ability. We saw a little bit of it in that Sacramento game, you know, some ball handling duties, maybe more so than Mikael Bridges in some of these previous games. What were you what glimpses what little moments did you see that sort of gave you that confidence and look cam johnson hasn't been shooting the ball very well which is you know it's it's a little bit frustrating probably probably for him and he did say so i'll get to that quote in a little bit but you know 14 points to him six rebounds two assists four steals a block you know filled up the box score five or 13 from the field but only one or six from three did hit all three of his free throws but that playmaking element what did you see that makes you think he can unlock that
1: Yeah, I don't think he'd ever be a lead ball handler or anything like that. But he could be a secondary or third one in a lineup. And I think he has the ability to kind of run a pick and roll. One thing he does pretty well is ends up getting in the paint. You know, he does a nice job of positioning his body. It's just when he gets in the paint, you know, he looks a little unsure what to do. You know, what's his go-to move? How is he going to attack the big? Should he kick it out? But you'll see a mix of some good passes in there. I think he has good size. And I think his ball handling is Solid uh, but it could probably take some strides forward but you see the potential that he does have and obviously the role he played in Phoenix didn't really give him much opportunity to do that other nights when guys were resting or injuries did happen so I think there's room for growth for him in that area to kind of expand his game and I think reps is going to be really important you know he was the lone starter that stayed in the fourth quarter for that little Nets run and I think you saw some growth in terms of just experience.
2: Yeah, I think in, in saying that, you know, the, the handle is something that can be a, a key indicator of where a player does go. And you can see players get a tighter handle. You know, Jalen Brown before heading in and and finding his sort of superstar leap was was said to have like, you know, a bit of a lackadaisical, a little bit of a sloppy handle. And now he is, you know, borderline all NBA contention. And that's sort of like an underrated skill. You know, I think that we sort of go, these guys are 3 and D guys. That's all we need them to sort of do. But as we've alluded to, we love guys that can just do so many different things with the ball in their hands. And Cam Johnson has a little bit of that potential. But on the game tonight, Nick you know do we get to Mikael Bridges next do we want to get to Brooklyn Bridges yeah just one more point on Cam Johnson I think
1: obviously you mentioned three-point shot is frustrating I think he's still hesitating a little bit more offensively you know we saw him I think he went off against the Hawks a couple weeks ago and in that game he didn't really hesitate he just looked really comfortable attacking and just going at it and being aggressive and I think even just on some of his pull-ups just playing with a just like Uh, An understanding of what he can do on the floor. And I think some of his cold shooting has kind of
2: interfered with that. Yeah, he said this post game about himself and the team overall. He said the frustrating thing is when they don't go in. They felt good. I'm sure everyone thought they felt good today. They're just not going in right now. I can only speak on myself, but that's life as a basketball player. If it was easy, everybody would be shooting threes and making them. You got to weather storms and continue to shoot. But it's tough because I thought we had a lot of good looks tonight. A lot of good looks that just went in and out. Sometimes games go like that, but we can't let it affect us on the defensive end and have to continue to shoot them when we get those opportunities. You know, he was one of six. Spencer was one of three. Royston, he was one of three. Joe Harris was one of four. Uh, Cam Thomas was one of four. You know, Doreen Finney-Smith, 0 of two. You know, the only guy that was sort of shooting the ball well was Seth and to a lesser extent Mikael Bridges. And you know, the Nets... Their, their game plan is, you know, put up volume of threes and, and hit a decent amount of them. But they only hit 12 of them tonight, and I don't think that was enough. And the percentage, you know, 34.3, 12 or 35, it's not going to win you many games, especially against a team that has far more talent and is a superior team.
1: Yeah, and the Nuggets hit 12 on 23 attempts at 52%. You know, that's going to make a pretty big difference in terms of the outcome of the game. I think also Cam could probably get that next level of polish as a shooter. I think just really tightening it up and just kind of getting to that next step that, you know, we've seen shooters kind of hit in the past, but Jack, you want to jump into Mikhail Bridges?
2: Yeah. Mikhail Bridges tonight, Nick, eight of 18 from the field in 31 minutes, three of eight from the three, four of four from the free throw line, did add the four turnovers, also had an assist and a rebound for his 23 points. Look, well, he's putting up 20 pieces, like it's nobody's business, as I've said time and time again. But not as impactful and and did he get the looks to be, what did you see from him tonight? Yeah, this, you could argue this is probably
1: one of his worst games as a net. Obviously it wasn't terrible or anything like that, but the first quarter was rough. Couldn't really find his rhythm with his shot until later in the game. And I thought defensively, He had some mistakes that we haven't really seen from him. I thought he could have played a little better on that end of the floor as well. So just kind of an off night for Mikel Bridges, which is going to happen for any level of player, superstar, star, role player, whatever it is. Obviously, he's still kind of feeling things out. And I think just the overall team played a little bit lesser because he wasn't as good tonight, because that's how good he is and how much he kind of leads the team
2: a lot of times. And I think bridging the gap, for lack of a better term, pardon the pun, between his best and his worst. Like, if this is one of his worst games, putting up a 20-piece on nearly 50% shooting and and getting to the free throw line a couple of times and hitting some decent three balls, it's just that you want him to rebound a little bit better. You want him to playmake a little bit better. You want him to be a bit better defensively. So I think overall, if this is a a bad game for Mikael Bridges, you'd take it. But ultimately, you can't have your team's best player playing like this and probably expecting to get the wins, especially against the Nuggets.
1: Yeah, I think he was good enough to win, uh, like for the Nets to win if some of the other guys stepped up. You know, if Spencer had a big game and Cam Johnson had an average game and Dorian Finney-Smith wasn't bad, you know, that would have been enough for the Nets to win this game. But given how everything kind of played out in this one,
2: it just wasn't. Yeah, exactly. And Nick, you, which guys do you want to get to next? Do you want to get to Spencer Dinwiddie? Do you want to get to like the bench who went on a run? Like
1: Spencer Dinwiddie because I think this is – Part of the issue with Spencer is finding the balance of him being aggressive and then him you know, playing just a facilitator role. He took six shots. He had 11 assists, though, but on a night where so many other guys are playing poorly, this is probably where you want Spencer to be a little bit more ball-hoggy and try to attack the rim and get to the free-throw line and find those different opportunities. So it's, it's a really tough spot for the Nets. It's a tough spot for Spencer, and obviously that's been a big discussion. And, you know, sometimes I'd rather see him take more shots even if he's going to miss them, because at least you know someone's trying to produce and trying to win. I feel like when he plays like this with a lack of aggression offensively, sometimes the Nets don't have enough production unless the other guys are playing really well, which they didn't tonight.
2: Yeah, I think. What we needed to see from the Nets and Spencer can really set the tone here is aggression at the rim, as you alluded to, because Nikola Jokic isn't Rudy Gobert, he isn't Nick Claxton, he isn't Brook Lopez. And the Nets did that in their previous matchup in terms of forcing the issue and you know, getting guys, getting the ball moving. And yes, like you had the 11 assists, you know only the eight points, only the six touch, as you alluded to, but it was minus 24 on the night, You know was the worst player in that department. I think, again, that is far too noisy for me to sort of say Spencer did when he was the worst player on the court, but he certainly wasn't You know, he didn't have the balance of playmaking and shot making that, you know, you want the guy who is your first, second, 2A, whatever you want to sort of call him on the team. So he could have set the tone a little bit better. His playmaking was okay. It's just, it's not all together just yet.
1: Yeah, it's like, again, it's finding the balance, and that's obviously difficult, and we've seen kind of both ends of the spectrum where this probably isn't aggressive enough, and then other nights he's overly aggressive on nights where he should be feeding Mikel Bridges more. You know, I think it's just feeling out process for him and the entire team.
2: Nick, any other plays you wanted to really get into here? You know, what caused the run to get back? And then I want to have a very mini discussion about bring back the BS report for a little bit because we did get some news in regarding to him. We saw a little bit of video here and there, but any more game notes, whether it's players, team overall? I know the Nets did rebound quite poorly. What did you think? What do you want to touch on before we get to the BS report?
1: Yeah, I think Dorian Finney-Smith's lack of offensive production sometimes is really going to hurt this team, especially when other guys aren't playing well. That's pretty obvious and then you bring in Royce O'Neal and he's not necessarily having a huge offensive impact. You're not getting anything from Joe Harris. Seth Curry comes in. He provides you a little something offensively, but a lot of that was still in garbage time. So, you know, I think again, the, the over, you know, the, the main theme of this podcast is really that the guys just weren't good enough tonight.
2: And if you're not good enough, you're not going to win. It's as simple as that. But the news that we did get, Nick was that Ben Simmons has left clutch sports and is at the Athletics. John Krasinski is saying that he's expected to hire Bernie Lee, uh, who also represents Jimmy Butler, uh, as his new agent. This little tidbit, we didn't really get a chance to discuss it. Obviously, it happened in, in the previous days before we got the chance to, to record. What was your reaction to this? How do you feel about this? Does it mean anything? You know, I think you could look at it from both ends of the spectrum. You could say it means a lot, it means nothing.
1: Obviously, there's a reason that relationship ended. We're unsure why. Um, a lot of people have mentioned the idea of like Ben no longer being a great basketball player and Clutch not wanting to represent and not worrying about the headache that could potentially come with Ben Simmons. Obviously, that's an opinion. We don't really have much factual information on the situation. You know, hopefully maybe a new agency could help push Ben in the right direction, because obviously There's been some mismanagement of, you know, his health, maybe even his mental health. And, you know, that could be on the team, that could be on the agency. It's really hard to know. This is kind of more of behind the scenes stuff that we don't necessarily get full access to.
2: Yeah, you can look into it how you will. But I think that the the fact that it, it is something it's worth noting, it's worth discussing. The analysis that we can provide as, as guys that are pundits and, and followers of the team, it's like, well, is this, you know as you alluded to, a clutch thing, a, a bend thing, a, a combination of both. But we also did see you know a little bit of practice video and we did see Ben Simmons in this and people were screenshotting. Shaq Vaughn has said that he still thinks that he's gonna be back and he wants him to play. Like the the BS report is, it's it's it, we should call it the boring report because we're getting nothing. I think that the N should shut him down. It just makes no sense to bring him back for this uh, similar amount of time. People are high on him. Like let let's get him back. He's going to be the playmaker that we need. Spencer Dinwiddie to be. It's just like I don't know, man. Like the the it's the boring report for me, not the BS report anymore.
1: Yeah, I think, obviously, ideally, if, uh, the best version of Ben would be a huge addition to this team and really could take them to another level. But we haven't seen the best version of Ben in Nets uniform. We saw maybe a small glimpse for maybe a three-game stretch early in the year. But like you said, it's just kind of a waiting game, and we'll see what happens. I mean, sadly, there there really is no expectations for Ben right now to come back or produce when he does come back. It's more of just wait it out and you know just hope that it could maybe work
2: out. Any final thoughts Nick we discussed this little four game stretch being pivotal for the nets and their chances of getting a 5 seed and and, and solidifying the 6 seed have your cha- have your opinions on that changed after tonight are you feeling less confident more confident same in between
1: yeah i kind of felt like this was going to be a loss like i mentioned i think on a previous show just because they had beaten denver prior and they're such a good team and they were going to bounce back. I also thought they made a couple good adjustments in the game, and the Nets really didn't, and they obviously just played poorly. And those two losses, like I mentioned early on, against OKC and Sacramento, probably going to hurt potentially in the standings. You know, right now, as we're recording Miami and Detroit or down to the wire, uh, it's like a two-point game with four minutes left. That's going to be pretty big if the Nets want to stay out of that playing spot. Obviously, Cleveland is going to be a tough matchup this week and Miami after that. So... We'll see what they do. You know, it's really on the Nets. And I think a lot of us are okay with the Nets losing games. It's more so, are they going to play with the right energy and engagement and give themselves a real opportunity to win? And when they do that, we've seen them beat good teams. On to Cleveland. On to Cleveland. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms.